the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're having a uh, wonderful Saturday. Um, Last week, if you recall, uh, we had to kind of take a step back and uh, take a look at what happened in uh, uh, Paris, France. And um, I focused on building some backgrounds behind uh, the so-called um, jihadis movement. And uh, you can call them lone wolf, you can call them a terrorist group, uh, you can call them jihadis, uh, whatever um, uh, y- your heart desire. Uh, at the end of the day, we're dealing with an ideology that fuels all of this. So my focus was on showing why the so-called jihadis do the things that they typically do, and that's to inflict terror, harm, violence uh, against others. And in this case, of course, uh, um, as uh, the uh, situation unfolded in um, Paris, it was as a result of a uh, expression uh, basically, or the freedom of expression and freedom of speech um, as related to uh, the news uh, organization or the magazine um, uh, publication known as um, uh, Charlie Hebdo, which uh, apparently uh, this was in retaliation of something that was issued uh, related to the Prophet of Islam, Muhammad, uh, a cartoon uh, that depicted him back in 2006. Now, just do the math. We are in 2015. Nine years later, a punishment still had to be carried forward. What's the lesson that we uh, learned from this? Jihadis will not let it go. They can wait and wait and wait, and at the end of the day, they will move forward with a plan. The reason why is because they consider this act of violence to be in obedience to the commands given to them. Uh, So please um, uh, hear me out here. These are not people, by the way, that woke up in the middle of the night and decided that they want to do something like this because they're bored. No. These are people that are becoming more and more fundamentalist, devout to the uh, ideology, the religion that they uh, follow. That's known as the religion of Islam. And I want to just emphasize this point. Only, probably... 10% of Muslims in the world are that much devout to be literalist in interpreting all of the commands given to them through the Quran that they consider to be the absolute word of God, Allah, and the teachings of the Prophet, uh, because to them he is the Prophet of Islam and he is inspired as well to say and to teach. 
And oftentimes they fall back also on cer certain fatwas or legal decrees by renowned Islamic scholars and commentators in the last 14 centuries. Names, for instance, like Sayyid Qutb uh, in the 20th century, Maududi in the 20th century, or Ibn Taymiyyah in the 13th century, or Ibn Abdul Wahhab, uh, the founder of the Wahhabi movement, for instance, in the 18th century, and the list can go on and on and on. So these people are inspired by teachings that come directly from the word of their God, the teaching of their prophet, and the interpretation of their legal religious scholars. And last time also, I walked you through a list of verses in the Quran that promote punishment against the infidels and the unbelievers and the apostates. Now, uh, today and next week and possibly the week after, we will continue with building this foundation because I am planning on getting into uh, also a diversion uh, from the plan that we started with uh, this show uh, earlier uh, the, uh, this past year. Uh, I want to focus more and more on ISIS and this ISIS phenomenon that is causing all of this chaos. Uh, that it appears to me that a lot of our uh, at least um, uh, national security um, uh, basically uh, officials in Europe uh, and in the U.S. and in other parts of the world, for whatever reason, uh, they are in denial uh, that uh, there is a root cause for this problem, uh, that unless you eradicate this root cause, just like you eradicate cancer, uh, this problem will continue to fester and to metastasize, and things will get from bad to worse. And I can tell you this because I myself am a former Muslim. And also, you can consider me a former jihadis wannabe. Uh, I lived in an era where the Mujahideen basically establishment um, was launched back in 1979 uh, by people like bin Laden. Uh, I was motivated by uh, his boldness to go and fight the infidels. Uh, I was a very devout Muslim and I wanted to join him. But by the grace of God, uh, I was um, uh, basically stirred away from that. Uh, and uh, later, it was the power of the gospel and the word of God that brought me to my knees to confess my Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is the Prince of Peace. And truly, I can tell you that I follow the source of peace and no longer follow the religion that I assumed it to be the religion of peace. However, I don't want to label all Muslims. As I mentioned, we have about 1.5 billion Muslims in the world. Uh, we will be safe to assume about 10% of those who consider themselves jihadis and literalists. And I'm thankful that only out of that 10%, which is about 150 million, so far there is only a handful of them that are willing to carry on these attacks. And unless we put an end to it, unless we um, basically follow the word of God as governments to be the instrument against the um, uh, basically the uh, those who rebel and those who cause chaos and and those who are disobedient, unless we follow the mandates given to us as governments and authorities in Romans uh, 13, verses 1 to 7, and to be the instrument in the hand of God to punish those evildoers, unless we do that, we will suffer. And it's just a reality, and uh, it's a um, 
something that I think since September 11 is becoming more and more noticeable, although this whole uh, teaching, this whole ideology have existed for 14 centuries, nothing new, uh, except the West now is being exposed to it at a deeper level. Having said that, I would like to continue with more verses from the Quran, and then I'm going to share more teachings from uh, the traditions of the Prophet of Islam. And then I want to even, uh, if time allows us uh, this episode or possibly early next episode, we are going to take another look at the fact that what these two uh, Kawachi brothers did in France to retaliate and basically uh, protect the honor of the Prophet of Islam is nothing new at all. In fact, I will present to you a number of cases that are listed and reported to us in the traditions of Islam itself, showing that the Prophet of Islam himself also conducted such operations against those that either mocked him or issued poems to condemn his actions against their people. So it isn't anything new, by the way. All of it stems back to the root cause of this problem, and those are the teachings that are found in the Quran, found in the Hadith, and sometimes the interpretation of the uh, Islamic scholars. Now, before I continue with that list of Quranic verses promoting violence against uh, those that are considered to be infidels, and by the way, to be an infidel, it really depends which group of Muslims you're asking. If you're talking to these radicals like the ISIL people, they will tell you that even a Muslim who is not adhering to the teaching of the is, uh, Islam and the Prophet and the Quran could be considered an infidel. That's how uh, black and white they can get. Or you can get maybe to uh, the so-called nominal cultural Muslims and they will tell you they're infidel, possibly someone who just doesn't follow Islam. And then you have those Muslims that are in between. And that's really the problem that we are faced with. And as I list, uh, mentioned last time, and I said, in order for this problem of terrorism and so-called Islamic jihad and Islamic terrorism, which has this adjective Islamic attached to it, in order for that basically to stop, uh, people from the outside cannot do it by themselves. It has to start from within. And unless the majority peaceful Muslims majority cultural nominal Muslims rise and stand up against those that carry on these kind of acts of violence. And if indeed the majority of Muslims want to prove to the world that Islam is a religion of peace and that those jihadis misinterpret teachings in the Quran, which I can tell you this, newsflash, they are not. However, if that's really the, the case, then the majority has to stand up against the minority, but so far, unfortunately, we are witnessing that the minority are running the show. So this is my invitation to my Muslim people. Please do something about it. It starts from within. And hopefully, uh, in a couple of episodes, uh, we are going to begin to look at some actions that are being taken already uh, by governments in the Middle East, like the Saudi government, for instance, to put an end to some of these ISIS influences and recruits, and recruitment uh, efforts and propaganda. And also, we are going to listen to a uh, uh, clips from a speech given by uh, the uh, president of Egypt, uh, Abdul Fattah al-Sisi, who is, in my book, by the way, is a hero. 
Uh, I praise God that uh, the Lord has raised him up in the right time to put an end to influences from people like the Muslim Brotherhood, for instance, because it would have been a fiasco in the Middle East today if the Muslim Brotherhood were in charge. Why? Because they promote the same ideologies, and that's hatred, not only against the infidels, not only against the West, not only against the Jews, but even they promote hatred and division within Islamic countries. They were hoping to even divide people in Saudi Arabia against each other. They were hoping to even divide the whole Middle East region against itself. So, uh, as I mentioned, there is a political, political, basically, uh, agenda attached to this ideology as well, and that's a, a domination, uh, basically, theology that is stemming not from the biblical teachings of the uh, theology of uh, dominion, but rather it's from an evil, uh, basically, uh, theology that uh, many, majority, I should say, Muslims fall victim uh, to it. Because let's think about what's going on right now in the hearts of these innocent Muslim people in France, for instance. They have to endure now, um, possibly being mocked, humiliated. They have to endure a lot of harassment as a result of what these three men have done. The two brother and the third, um, basically, terrorist, Ahmed, uh, who uh, was at the kosher uh, basically, store, which which really baffles me if you think about this. The two brothers killed a Muslim police officer. That tells you how they view other Muslims. Uh, unless they follow their ideology, they are considered to be infidels. So he was a Muslim that they killed because they didn't consider him to be one. And then you have the uh, third jihadist, Ahmed, who was also uh, uh, held hostages at the kosher place, a kosher place where Muslims go to buy halal food, by the way. That tells you how they have a narrow view of everything, how they are black and white. And we are going to take a look at uh, a variety of uh, resources uh, or quotes and teachings that support all of these things. Uh, Let's take a look at um, other passages in the Quran that supports what these jihadis uh, or um, so-called terrorists use. For instance, in chapter 5, verse 33 of the Quran says, The punishment of those who wage war against Allah and his messenger and strive to make mischief in the land is only this, that they should be murdered or crucified, or their hands and their feet should be cut off on opposite sides, or they should be imprisoned. So there is a number of options here given. And uh, the jihadis will look at this verse and you will say, those who wage war against Allah and his messenger and strive to make mischief in the land are the Western societies who interfere with our affairs and who bomb our people and who try to uh, basically divide our nations. And on top of that, even if they don't do it politically, they do it via social uh, influences and media by influencing our culture and cultural values, by showing westernized, basically, movies, um, uh, shows, um, teachings. The list can go on and on and on just by doing so. Or, on top of that, if you are a Muslim who is fascinated by the Western culture, also, you are someone who is waging war against Allah, which is the God of Islam, uh, who is the God of Islam, I should say, and his messenger, the Prophet of Islam, and strive to make mischief, division, in the Muslim world. 
if you are someone who is doing any of these acts, you qualify to be punished. And it's really up to the person who's going to punish you to pick and choose whichever method they want to do. Maybe they want to murder you, as ISIL, for instance, has been doing against, for instance, Syrian and Iraqi soldiers, who, by the way, they are Muslim soldiers, in case anyone missed that. Or crucify uh, others. Have you heard and have you even seen some YouTube videos of ISIL people crucifying not just Christians but also Muslims? Or maybe butchering them violently or deciding to basically imprison them and then as hostages and then later actually uh, using them uh, as for propaganda purposes and then even end up killing them anyway by beheading. So these are the kind of things that I want to point out. They don't come out of void, ladies and gentlemen. Let me repeat this again. No one who uh, basically performs these atrocities that we have been witnessing for the last year at least uh, through the propaganda machine of ISIS or ISIL, whatever you want to call them, which we are going to talk about the difference in names as well and the implication of that. No one just wakes up in the morning deciding that this is something cool I want to do. No, they do it because they feel this is an act of obedient that I need to fix my bad deeds with God and I want to earn a lot of good deeds and I am willing to die as a martyr. Let me ask you this. How can you fight against someone who wants to die as a martyr? That's what the two brothers told the police, at least a special tactic unit that was surrounding them. They told them, we want to die as martyrs. In other words, we are ready to die. We conducted this operation with the hope that we would die. How can you fight against this? The only way you can fight against this, and I speak to the church now, is when we as a church step up to the plate and share the gospel boldly. None of this political correctness and watering down the word of God just to protect uh, the feelings of people. I don't think I can find any justification in the Bible to show me, basically, that Jesus came to be politically correct leader. He came to share the gospel. Unless we as a church start to believe that we are not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation, unless we start doing this faithfully, we are not going to plant seeds of salvation in the lives of these immigrants around us, and especially the Muslim people who are suffering and they are seeking really uh, freedom and coming to our backyard to hide from these very same terrorists and jihadis. Unless we are willing to step up to the plate so that we're planting seeds in their heart and in turn, hopefully, prayerfully, that the seeds will be growing in the hearts of the next generations because it's going to take at least one generation of Muslim people to change their opinion about these passages and these teachings. Unless we do this, which we are commanded to bring peace to them because blessed are the feet of those who basically proclaim the gospel, the peace message. Unless we are willing to do this faithfully all the time, unfortunately, uh, only few of them are going to hear this gospel message. Let me ask you this as a church. Do you pray for these jihadis? Do you pray for the people of ISIS? Ask yourself, when was the last time you even thought about praying for the leader of ISIS and his salvation? 
When was the last time you listed the names of those who are joining them? That at least been disclosed to us. When was the last time you prayed for them in general? Have we done this as a church? Because I can tell you, the gospel teaches that we should pray for those who persecute us. That's what our Lord said in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not here to try to make you feel bad, but I'm here to tell you that if this is the reality of things, the church is gripped by fear, and fear is not from God. Make up your mind to decide where fear comes from. Let's look at another verse in the Quran. In chapter 8 of the Quran, verse 12, it says, I will cast terror in the hearts of those who disbelieve. Who is saying this? The God of Islam, speaking to his followers through the mouth of the prophet. That the God of Islam says he will cast terror in the hearts of those who disbelieve. How? The next clause says, Therefore, strike off their heads and strike off every fingertip of them. Does this sound familiar to you? Now you know where it came from. What about another uh, verse in the same chapter, chapter 8, verse 15 of the Quran? It says, All you who believe, when you meet those who disbelieve in battle, turn not your backs to them. Think about this for a second. The two brothers, the Kowachi's brothers, were cornered last Friday, and they decided not to turn their back against the French authorities because they consider the French authorities and police to be infidels, disbelievers, and they consider that basically a hostage situation to be a battle, and they decided not to turn their back, and they were willing to die in obedience of these kind of passages. Does this sound familiar to you? What about chapter 8, verse 57? If you come on them... In the war, deal with them so as to strike fear in those who are behind them. Notice there are commands. Now, some might tell me, hey, by the way, you're taking these things out of context. This is, there is a historical reason behind these verses. Really? If that's the case, then how come we didn't see fatwas issued by the Islamic scholars? How, how come we didn't see any evidence historically in the last 14 centuries that Islamic scholars understood these passages to be only only for events that took place in the past. In other words, it's only a descriptive passage, not a prescriptive. Descriptive describing to us events, not a prescriptive prescribing people today to follow suit. What about a chapter 8, verse 65? O prophet, exhort the believers to fight. So when you have someone like bin Laden exhorting people to fight before he was taken, and uh, we thank God that he was taken, and uh, when you have people like, for instance, the leader of ISIS who is exhorting his followers, his fighters, the believers in his mind to fight, this isn't coming out of void. This is coming out of the Quran, which is considered to be the word of God. If your God tells you to do it, then you're not at fault. That's pretty much the justification a jihadi will give you. Hey, I'm just obeying my God. Don't fault me for being a good person. That's the whole idea behind why they do the things that they do. We probably had enough of this, but we will continue to list a couple more verses. We are going to list also in the next uh, episode 
couple of more hadith teachings, and then I'm going to expose a couple of incidents, historical uh, incidents where the Prophet of Islam himself asked others to revenge uh, for him uh, and uh, uh, bring honor to, uh, to him by killing those who mocked him uh, either by issuing poems or telling him things face to face that he disliked and therefore their punishment, the punishment of those who mocked him unfortunately for them was death. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, um, it aches my heart when I see that my people, the Muslim people, continue to live in the bondage of this ideology that teaching them hatred rather than hearing the word of truth and the word of love and the word of peace. And I fault my church, the church at large, the church of Christ, for not massively stepping up to the plate and sharing the gospel of truth with my Muslim people. Yet, there are few who are faithful, but we're looking for everyone because we are all evangelists and we were all commissioned by our Lord to do so. Our time is up for today. So thank you very much for tuning in. And if you would like to reach me, please remember to contact me by email at siraministries at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in again next Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ for Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi. Until then, have a blessed week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.